Praise be to the Lord today. So great to be in the house of the Lord with the family of God. If you have your Bibles, would you open up to 2 Peter chapter 3? Second Peter 3, beginning of verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be? In holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, without spot and blameless, and consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction, as they do also the rest of the Scriptures. You, therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, Beware, lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and forever. Amen. What manner of persons ought we to be? In light of what we believe, in light of what we know, in light of what the Bible says is to come upon this earth, the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. And what will happen that day? The heavens will pass away with a great noise. And the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. If we believe this, if we truly believe this and know it to be true, if we believe the words of the Bible, what manner of persons ought we to be? You know, I'm thankful that the Lord doesn't leave us in the dark. This one deciding what manner of persons they ought to be, and the next one deciding what 
manner of persons they ought to be. Because the truth is, if we leave the deciding to self-decision and self-discretion, we may just find ourselves headed for self-destruction. And so, the Bible lays it out for us when we read the text. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat? What manner of persons with this knowledge that we have, this belief that we have, this understanding? Holy conduct, godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God. It speaks of a life and a lifestyle of holy conduct and godliness. A life and a lifestyle that testifies of one that is looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God. We read on the text, Nevertheless, we, according to His promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent. Be diligent to be found in Him in peace, without spot and blameless. And consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction as they do also the rest of the Scriptures. The Passion Translation reads like this. He consistently speaks of these things in all of his letters. Even though he writes some concepts that are overwhelming to our understanding, which the unlearned and unstable love to twist to their spiritual ruin, as they do the other Scriptures. You know, it's so true. This twisting in the earth today. The Amplified Bible, there are some things in those epistles of Paul that are difficult to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist and misconstrue to their own utter destruction. Just as they distort and misinterpret the rest of the Scriptures. You know, church, ignorance is not bliss. And so we are saved, having received the grace of Jesus and having accepted Him as our personal Lord and Savior. And if that is who we are today, let it be our desire. Our desire is to grow in Him. Our desire is to be a people taught and stable, lest we fall from steadfastness. A people, a people bent on loving Him honoring Him and magnifying His name in the earth. The list today 
What manner of persons ought we to be? Be in holy conduct and godliness. Looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God. Be diligent to be found in Him in peace, without spot and blameless. And this, consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. The long-suffering of our Lord. The text says, consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. You know, I stand here today and I say, I want Jesus to come back. I want Jesus to come back soon. The Spirit and the bride say, come. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Yet until he comes or calls me home, torn between two desires, longing to go and be with Christ, but for now, it may be best I continue to live. We look at the world and think his coming, his arrival must be soon. It can't be far off. I know that with the Lord a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day. And yet the truth is this. There is no one more long-suffering than our Lord. 2 Peter 3.15 in the NLT, and remember, our Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. The Passion Translation, keep in mind that our Lord's extraordinary patience simply means more opportunity for salvation. Listen, we long for the return of the Lord, and yet we thank the Lord for another day in which people can be saved. And we thank Him for another week of salvation and another Sunday where the gospel is preached in churches. We're thankful for another day that prodigals may arise and that sons and daughters may come out of hell. Another day that people from every nation, tribe, and tongue can come to saving knowledge. How is the long-suffering of the Lord to be interpreted? The message paraphrase, interpret our master's patient restraint for what is salvation. The Living Bible, he is giving us time to get his message of salvation out to others. Back to the message. So, my dear friends, since this is what you have to look forward to, do your very best to be found living at your best in purity and peace. Interpret our master's patient restraint for what it is, salvation. Our good brother Paul, who was given much wisdom in these matters, refers to this in all his letters and has written to you essentially the same thing. Some things Paul writes are difficult to understand Irresponsible people who don't know what they are talking about twist them every which way. They do it to the rest of the Scriptures too. 
destroying themselves as they do it. But you, friends, are well warned. Be on guard lest you lose your footing and get swept off your feet by these lawless and loose-talking teachers. Grow in grace and understanding of our Master and Savior, Jesus Christ. Glory to the Master now and forever. Yes. It is true that our Lord's extraordinary patience simply means more opportunity for salvation. And still we know that the enemy would have a different interpretation. What interpretation? That the Lord's extraordinary patience simply means more opportunity for destruction. You see, the enemy is at work after the sinner and saint. He doesn't know the day of God, yet he knows his time is short. He's at work seeking to devour and devouring. He's at work seeking to destroy and destroying this thief and this killer. He's at work seeking to lure a generation, seeking to turn a generation into truth twisters, twisting and misconstruing to their own utter destruction. Is it not true that there is a twisting in the earth? And why, one would ask, to accommodate a way of life and living, to sanction things that should not be so. And the great lie is this, twist and misconstrue the Scriptures, and it'll work out. It'll be all right, when the reality is this, it's the road of destruction that leads to destruction. We are not this manner of persons. What manner of persons are we? The New King James Version, You therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the air of the wicked. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. The Passion Translation, as for you, divinely loved ones, since you are forewarned of these things, be careful. Be careful that you are not led astray by the error of the lawless and lose your grip on the truth. And that's really what it is, the error of the lawless. The Voice Bible reads, So hear my final words, my friends, now that I have warned you, about what's ahead, keep up your guard and don't let unprincipled people pull you away from the sure ground of the truth with their lies and misunderstandings. Instead, grow in grace and in the true knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus, the anointed, to whom be glory now and until the coming of the new age. Amen. A generation cannot forget the truth of the matter. 1 Corinthians 15.33, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits.
Proverbs 1, verses 8 to 10. So, my son, pay attention to your father's guidance and do not ignore what your mother taught you. Wear their wisdom as a badge of honor and maturity. Is fine jewelry around your neck. My son, should your less honorable peers pressure you to do what is wrong, you should be strong enough not to go along. Proverbs 1.15, my son, do not join them. Keep well away from their violent, destructive paths. For the Bible declares, Psalm 1, 1 and 2, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. You see, when people twist and misconstrue the Scriptures, it's most often for this reason. They desire to sow to the flesh. And so they twist it. They twist the words. They mess with the text. Why? Their desire is to sow to the flesh. Galatians 6, 7 and 8, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. The Amplified Bible, do not be deceived and deluded and misled. God will not allow himself to be sneered at, scorned, disdained, or mocked by mere pretensions or professions or by his precepts being set aside. He inevitably deludes himself who attempts to delude God. For whatever a man sows, that and that only is what he will reap. For he who sows to his own flesh, the lower nature, sensuality, will from the flesh reap decay and ruin and destruction. But he who sows the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. You know, I can almost hear one say, just tell me when the day of the Lord is going to come. Give me the date so I can get things in order and get my life in order and straighten things out. Get my house in order and take to proper conduct and holiness and godliness at least for a little while before he comes. The long-suffering of the Lord has, has led many to an interpretation that tells of time. Lots of time to get things right with the Lord. You know, at some point, someday, when we've exhausted sowing to the flesh, I've lived long enough to witness the reality that those who live with this interpretation in mind and in hand, rarely ever get things right with the Lord. In fact, the years harden them more and more. Just tell me when the day of the Lord is going to come. Give me the date. Put it on the screen. 
Let me know so I can write it in my calendar. Give me the date so I can take to proper conduct and holiness and godliness at least for a little while before he comes. Well, to one that would ask for the date, what would be sufficient? How much time would one like? An hour notice? One day of notice? Is that enough preparation? One week, one month, one year, would that be enough? Would that sit well with you and your soul? Would that be sufficient? Would that be pleasing to the Lord? Would this find acceptance with the Lord? If it was sincere and one realized the wickedness of their ways, yes, But would it be sincere? Or is the sincerity in not knowing when the day is coming? And even if it doesn't come while we have our days on the earth, we live prepared. And we live with proper holy conduct and godliness, lives looking for and hastening the coming, the coming day of our Lord God. You see, even if Jesus doesn't come in our lifetime, There will be a day that we will pass from this life. Some suddenly, and some not so suddenly. If we come to death's bed, and there we lay, do we encourage deathbed conversions? Will this be sufficient after a whole life of twisting and misconstruing truth? after a whole life of mocking and rejecting and sowing to the flesh, deathbed conversions. Well, there are real ones. Like the thief on the cross. Yet note, this was seemingly his first encounter with Christ and is not to be taken as a pattern. Yes, there are real deathbed conversions. Yet God will not be mocked. He sees the heart and he knows the motives thereof. We are not this manner of persons. What manner of persons are we? Amazed at the grace of God. Overwhelmed by the kindness of Jesus. Arrested by the love of our Savior. Desperate to live for Him and love Him and to grow to know Him more and more. Set on pleasing Him and honoring Him and bringing Him all the glory. Our delight is in the law of the Lord and in His law we meditate day and night. We interpret His long-suffering as more opportunity for salvation and more opportunity for our salvation, for we are saved and we are being saved, and yes, more opportunity for our sanctification. Glory to glory, strength to strength. What manner of persons are we? Holy conduct and godliness.
looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God. Yes, a life and lifestyle of holy conduct and godliness. A life and a lifestyle that testifies of a person. For it is a personal decision, a personal walk with Jesus, a personal relationship with Jesus. A life and a lifestyle that testifies of one that is looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God. What manner of persons are we? We are those set on heavenly reward and set on the type of living that gains it. The words of David Wilkerson, great man of God. As Christians in Paul's day sensed the destruction of Jerusalem drawing near, they wanted to know more about prophetic events. They were fearful over rumors about the ruthlessness of invading armies who took multitudes captive into slavery. It caused these believers to sense that perilous times were close at hand. So they asked Paul to tell them more about what was to come. Write to us about how to read the times. Paul responded with these words of assurance. Of the times and seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 and 2. Paul described to them what would take place when Christ returned. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Paul's exhortation to them was meant to be an encouragement. He was saying, in essence, there's no need for you to fret about those things coming on the earth. You don't have to be overly concerned about all the fearful signs and calamities. You well know what this is about. It is all signaling the coming of the Lord Jesus to take away his people. The truth is that history is going somewhere. We can be sure that the swift current of unfolding events today is carrying us toward God's eternal purpose. The world is not adrift. The Lord hasn't abandoned the earth, no matter how wicked and faithless humankind has become. Rather, God has simply picked up the pace. And what we are seeing now is a swift movement of events toward the one divine event ahead, the recreation of a new heaven and earth where Christ will reign supreme for all eternity. As followers of Christ, our focus is not to be on daily news reports. We are not to dwell on wars and rumors of war nor on the possibility of a nuclear accident, nor on other things that are coming on the earth. When Jesus said, in that day, look up. Yeah. 
When Jesus said in that day, look up, see Luke 21, 28, he is talking about where our focus should be. What manner of persons are we? All that we know. Since we know this beforehand, let us beware, lest we also fall from our own steadfastness. Being led away with the error of the wicked, and let us grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. Acts 16.31 Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. That's the answer. That's our only hope. He's our only hope. Jesus. There's no other name given among men by which we must be saved. Hear those words today. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. If you don't know Jesus, He offers you the gift of salvation today. No matter if you came in here a Christ rejecter, a mocker, doesn't matter how much and how often you've sown to the flesh. If you give your life to Jesus today, you're a new creation. You're born again. The old is gone, a new life. A new life begins. It's a gift. You can't earn it. You can't work for it. You have to open up your heart and say, Jesus, I know I'm a wicked sinner. I've fallen short of the glory of God. I've done things I haven't wanted to do. I've done things I shouldn't have done. I've said things I didn't want to say. I've said things I shouldn't have said. I've thought things. I've hurt people. I've hurt myself. Lord, I'm a sinner, and I acknowledge today that you're my only hope. And if you're here today and you think your life's been squeaky clean, it's not enough. Our righteousness is as filthy rags. It's not enough. We can't appear before God with our own works one day and think that that's going to pass the test. Look at all I did, Lord. 
Remember how I went to church, Christ City, December 2021? I was there. Remember how I gave money at Christmas time to the Christ City Lighthouse? Remember how I sold, I, I gave money because it's good works, right? Bless the poor, help for the poor. Lord, I even volunteered. I went down to wherever and volunteered. You saw, I handed out meals. Listen, unless he sees Jesus on that day, we will not make it. You know the story of the prodigal son? Really, it talks about all of us. But it speaks to those who knew Jesus and walked away. Had relationship, intimacy with the Father and took off. And spent all, and wasted all on wicked living, sown to the flesh. And not all prodigals have come to their senses and not all do. The one in the Bible did and said, I will rise and go to my Father. I will make my way back. And if you're a prodigal in the house today and your thinking is that there's lots of life to come to Jesus and you're banking on time, bank on time no more. Come back to the Father. You can have the worship team return. Joshua 24, verses 14 and 15. Now, therefore, fear the Lord. Serve him in sincerity and in truth. And put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. 2 Corinthians 6, 2. Now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Romans 10, 9. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. John Stott said these words, We may believe in the deity and the salvation of Christ and acknowledge ourselves to be sinners in need of his salvation, but this does not make us Christians. We have to make a personal response to Jesus Christ, committing ourselves unreservedly to him as our Savior and Lord. The words of Billy Graham, We must warn the nations of the world that they must repent and turn to God while there is yet time. We must also proclaim that there is forgiveness and peace in knowing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Just give me the date. You know, if I knew the date, let's say I knew the day, but I didn't know the hour. Is that sufficient? If I gave you the day and said this is the day 
that Jesus Christ will return. How would you live from this moment on? Would you sow to the flesh right up to midnight? Would you book it in your calendar a week before? The alarm goes off. Turn to Jesus. Two weeks before, get to church. Three weeks before, quit sowing to the flesh. What would be sufficient? I want to share with you the conversion of Charles Spurgeon. I was years and years upon the brink of hell. I mean in my own feeling. I was unhappy. I was desponding. I was despairing. I dreamed of hell. My life was full of sorrow and wretchedness, believing that I was lost. Charles Spurgeon used these strong words to describe his adolescent years. Despite his Christian upbringing, he was christened as an infant and raised in the Congregational Church. Despite his upbringing and his own efforts, yeah, he read the Bible and prayed daily. Spurgeon woke one January Sunday in 1850 with a deep sense of his need for deliverance. Because of a snowstorm, the 15-year-old's path to church was diverted down a side street. For shelter, he ducked into the primitive Methodist chapel on Artillery Street. An unknown substitute lay preacher stepped into the pulpit and read his text. Isaiah 45, 22. Look unto me and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no one else. Spurgeon's autobiography records his reaction. He had not much to say, thank God. For that compelled him to keep on repeating his text. And there was nothing needed by me at any rate except his text. Then stopping, he pointed to where I was sitting under the gallery and he said, that young man there looks very miserable. And he shouted, as I think only a primitive Methodist can, look! Look, young man, look now. Then I had this vision, not a vision to my eyes, but to my heart. And I saw what a Savior Christ was. Now I can never tell you how it was, but I no sooner saw whom I was to believe than I also understood what it was to believe. And I did believe in one moment. And as the snow fell on my road home from the little house of prayer, I thought every snowflake talked with me and told me of the pardon I had found. For I was white as the driven snow through the grace of God. Upon his return home, his appearance caused his mother to exclaim, something wonderful has happened to you. 
For the next months, young Spurgeon searched the scriptures to know more fully the value of the jewel which God had given him. He says, I searched. I searched to know more fully the value of the jewel which God had given me. I found that believers ought to be baptized. And so he was baptized by immersion four months later. Four months later in the River Lark. After that, he joined a Baptist church. And my, how the Lord used this once 15-year-old. We all need Jesus. Every single one of us, even the ones that have had a Christian upbringing, we all need Jesus. You don't get to heaven on the coattails of your mother and father and grandma and grandpa. Just because you have a Christian heritage, it doesn't make you a Christian. We all need Jesus. We all must come to Jesus. And you know, the truth is, The Lord's incredible, extraordinary patience has brought us to this moment in time. And here, the opportunity of salvation. It's a day, it's a day for you to decide your interpretation regarding His holy patience. Let's stand in this place today. Thank you, Lord.